0: everyone welcome back to our podcast no more secrets i'm your niece katie albrecht and i'm your aunt mary albrecht as you know from our previous shows uh we are the co-authors of our memoir broken neck which in that story we detail um, a lot of the problems and mental illness of our family um and we're using this podcast as a launching pad to talk about mental health in more detail. It, on episode one, we explained our goals for No More Secrets as a podcast and also um, a little bit more about our book and our process of creating it. If you'd like to explore that in more detail, feel free to check that out. But I think we're going to move on to our topic uh, for today. Yeah, uh, I want to talk
1: about um, your situation, Katie. This is probably a little raw for you, but it's something I've been thinking about, Um Is it really always good to stay together for the kids? Because Mm. I feel like your mom, well, uh, you know, she, I, she never really said it to me, but I got the feeling that she thought it was the right thing to do was to, to just keep the family together no matter what. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, I, I want to know, you know, last week we talked about whether or not happiness is a choice. Well, is there a choice to just walk away and make a new life when you've got young kids um, like your mom did? And I think you would be a good voice for this because your situation was so volatile, uh, knowing my brother. I mean, I'm learning more and more each time we talk, but I, I'm sure it was really an awful situation. So uh, this episode basically is about should families stay together for the kids? And um yeah. What do you think about that, Katie?
0: Well, I think that's interesting that you brought up my mom, because I not only got that mindset from her, but also from my dad, of all people, as well. He, um, there was, I guess, to go into it, I talked about a chapter in the book of how when we listened to, when he was listening to Bruce Springsteen, it, was kind of a warning sign for us that he was drinking and that it was going to be a long night for us of abuse and, you know, sometimes even just being annoyed, you know, like it varied from different levels. And I think one memory that I, I that really stands out from this kind of blur of Bruce Springsteen songs, drinking, abuse, start over again, um, was talking to my dad about, or rather, listening to my dad talk about Bruce Springsteen, and one lyric in particular where he says, Got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for a ride and I never went back.
1: Oh, Hungry Hearts? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I like that song. I'm sorry
0: that was a bad memory for you. It's a great (laughs) song, honestly. In retrospect, I I think it's very um, entertaining, but when my dad talked about it he mentioned that he could relate to that line in particular even to this day i i hear that song and i that first line it's literally the first line of the song stands out more than the rest because he said that there's been so many times that he wanted to leave um just like how Bruce Springsteen mentioned and never come back wait he told you kids or he told your mom he told me that I don't know about my siblings, but he said that there was so many times he just wanted to get out, and he thought the reason for or he claims the reason he didn't was because <clears throat> sorry to clear my throat was because he thought or that was the what would consider him as a deadbeat dad if he left if he left, and otherwise he was great. <laughs> so he would think right um he yeah of all the things that he did of all the times where he made us feel like we were terrible people just for having emotions or feelings or doing anything that he just didn't agree with of screaming at us of kicking my mom of you know scaring us the worst thing he could have done he claims is leaving wow and To me, I'd be like, just go, please go, you know? Honestly, that's what our life was like, was just waiting for him to either pass out or to leave. Just hoping that he would leave. So was he basically
1: saying you should be grateful for... It felt like that, yeah. Like, I'm staying because I'm a good dad, Katie.
0: Yeah, he's probably, you know, tried to manipulate our minds into thinking that. I know he definitely manipulated... Other adults in our life to thinking that, um, where For sure. yeah, <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, adults that said like, oh, I know he had his problems, but he, he was, was good. a good father. He was a good father. That's yeah. what I
1: always heard from grandma. Yeah, he was a good father.
0: And yeah. I I've obviously talked about this in the past. He's had moments of being a good father, but that doesn't mean he was more good than bad, you know. And he's
1: had moments. You're saying moments. I'm saying moments like him standing three to it yeah. or something out of your 20 something years. So Right. And you know, I find this to be interesting um Bruce Springsteen, you know, whether or not you like his music and his even his message. He's good at what he does. I mean, he's a musical icon. He's so talented, yeah. He's talented. He's in the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's a social activist. He's been around for a really long time. Um, he's well-respected by people that don't even, you know, really like his music, like I said. There was even a movie about him recently. Oh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so the that was the one that, what's it called again? Uh, Blinded by the Light. So in... As of recording, it came out this month, so it was in August or something like that. but it's not you showed me the trailer. It's not about his
1: life, right?
0: Yeah, it was um about uh, <clears throat> for lack of a better word, a fanboy who really related to uh Bruce Springsteen's lyrics. and it looks like a good movie, honestly. me it, even going through what I went through hearing Bruce Springsteen still thinks it's like it would be a great show. You know, which
1: again shows his popularity and how great Bruce right. Springsteen was, and yet it brought up terrifying memories for you and for a I'm long assuming time, assuming yeah. your your siblings as well. Um, and he used it as a way to just get drunk. I always felt like he associated with Bruce Springsteen. He tried to be as cool as him, and he tried to be. Um, you know, is, oh, I'm a blue-collar guy, just making my way. And just wanted. he really kind of wanted to be Bruce Springsteen, and he would just wallow in it, and then he would uh, get so drunk that he would become abusive because he knew he wasn't that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I just have no idea. I guess when people get under an influence, they have, like, a ritual with it, and I feel like... Him listening to this music, which now as an adult in several years removed from all this pain that came from it, I can res- I can enjoy the music as well. But that was just his, it was part of his vice as long as well as drinking and whatever drugs he was using. You know, so
1: I just learned about this for you listeners, um, again, getting to know my niece as we wrote the book and now as we're doing the podcast, one of the first things that she wrote was about um, a Bruce Springsteen episode with her dad. And I'd like to read a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, maybe you can explain to the listeners what you were feeling at the time. You know, this is what Bruce Springsteen evokes in her. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> we're both, we've been talking a lot. We've got a lot of um, things going on. <laughs> so, Okay. This is a flashback. Mom, Josh, Sandra, and I exit the car and head toward the house. We have just gotten back from Josh's high school freshman basketball game. Dad stayed behind for some reason. We hear that very reason blasting through the walls. Bruce Springsteen, born (laughs) in the USA. That is our warning. Every time he plays Springsteen, we know there is a storm brewing. I can see my grimace mirrored on my family's faces. We brace ourselves and open the side door that leads to the kitchen. The music instantly surrounds me, and the bass echoes through my entire body as the barrier of the door disappears. I am the first one in the house, and half expect to see him standing there waiting for us to all come home. Instead, I find something much more terrifying. And this shocked me when I first read this, so perhaps you can share with the readers what you found when you walked in.
0: Yeah, I found a butcher knife. Um, it's toasty. Clamor guess me when you say it. <laughs> it was a butcher knife um, standing straight up in a table, in our kitchen table, specifically. Um, it was. I mean, I think I was talking to you about this earlier, Mary. But I, I get, I. It's hard for me to remember specific incidents growing up, um, because it's just all one big blur. And I think I mentioned that earlier as well. Um, this incident in particular was different because it was the first time that besides for his fist or his foot um, there was an actual weapon and it was that kind of thing stands out especially when it's something that's like literally in all horror movies <laughs> i think of halloween comes to mind you know where they that's they come at you with a knife and everything and it just it it, it felt like a threat we all took it as a threat and um it's still to this day of of one of my least favorite memories
1: so how old were you again
0: I, I'm not sure entirely. I want to say I was in middle school because um, my brother was still in school. Um, and and he's five years older. Yeah, so. he's five years older, so he still had to have been in high school, and I was old enough to when I started realizing that it our family wasn't of the normal type of families. <laughs> <laughs> it's so
1: funny how she understates things sometimes. <laughs> I still, yeah, it's
0: still a habit of mine to. Yeah, he's just,
1: he wasn't the best. He wasn't the nicest of
0: folks. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on on telling the truth of how he was. That's why we're here. Yeah, right. And he was he was terrifying. Um, and this was one of the most terrifying.
1: Times. And what ended up happening after you walked in and you
0: saw that knife and your family was all there and we were in shock. We didn't know what to do. We just we. I mean, we wrote about this in our our book a little bit, but. Um, we first, you know, didn't walk in right away and we were waiting to see where he was, where he would come from. If he had another knife in his hand or another weapon, there was, I think my thoughts were racing. I'm pretty sure my moms and my siblings were as well. And we, um, once that didn't happen, we kind of plucked the knife out of the table and eventually ran into my dad. And he was drunk, very, very drunk, of course, because that's what happened when he listened to, to Springsteen. And was Bruce Springsteen still playing? Yeah, he was playing in the basement, um, even though my dad wasn't in the basement. He just played it loud enough so that the whole house could hear it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that he could hear it anywhere in the house, essentially. Oh, wow. And um, when we finally ran into him, he didn't have a knife or anything in his hands, but we were still alarmed enough to take the the house phone at the time because i know that's a totally different era at this point we had house
1: phones wow we were past (laughs) the
0: cordless and the dial but (laughs) we we still had a house phone yes (laughs) so we grabbed the house phone and um went into uh the my brother's room which had a lock on it and we locked the door and we just waited wait all of you guys
1: yeah. I I have to go over this again cuz there's so many stories I'm learning about. But yeah. so all four of you, your mom and your two siblings and you.
0: Yeah, I remember. I think we were playing video games to try to distract ourselves. And what was he doing all this while? <laughs> he was pounding on the door, saying, screaming at my mom, saying that she um that she was keeping us from him. That was just like a, a tactic. He said that we were being brainwashed by her. It was a very common tactic tactic of his as well. He was just screaming at us, and then he would walk away, grab a beer, probably, or do whatever. Maybe his voice got tired. And then he would come back and pound again. And then, um, I think, I don't know how much time later, um, but he eventually... Barge down the door and and burst it open, even with the lock on it. I think still to this day, that door is still broken from it.
1: And I think you mentioned that was the last door that was intact.
0: Yeah, he'd broken pretty much all the doors at that point. Right. So here we are. Okay. Yeah.
1: You know, (laughs) getting back to the concept of, is it good to stay, you know, for the kids?
0: Yeah. And it's, well, I think of that night and this, it, my mom didn't specifically say that that night that she wanted to stay together for the kids, but she did say that like, oh, we're just going to wait until he passes out. And that was kind of like our, our mission was to wait until he passed out and then just re, you know, try to deal with whatever came next or the next day.
1: Yeah. See, so
0: that's another part of the book
1: that struck me, you know, at the beginning When you said something about your mom, it's really short, but I'm going to pull it up here really quick. Because it was like, this is supposed to be normal, right? You were describing your mom, you were describing your family. This is at the very beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. And you said something like, well, not even like, here it is. Okay, there were also those times when things got scary around the house, even for our standards. And mom would have us stay in a hotel or drive us around for a while until dad passed out. You know, yeah. It's like that seems so normal to you. Like, it's so normal. Like you know, the oh those times when we had to like drive around in the car and wait for dad to pass out or stay in a hotel. You know, and again, I'm going back to. You know, why did she stay? Like, is it really? I mean, knowing my brother, it's hard to get away from him. So there's that. But definitely in her mind, I'm just wondering. You know what she was thinking at the time. You know,
0: I think I've heard a lot from her, um, and I've obviously explored this with her as much as I can uh, could in the past couple of years since my dad passed away. And I think staying together for for your children is is what she's kind of was taught, like it was better. Um, but also, she believed in like working things through. She didn't believe in divorce. Um, she's, I mean, these were the things that she said, but ultimately I think it was because he was a terrifying person with, or around or not around, you know, if you, she could try to get away from him. I think she would have had a very hard time yeah, to do that. I, I wonder what would have happened.
1: Like, let's say she divorced him, like even if she could divorce him, you know, and get like separate and then what, would he have custody? I mean, what would you guys be like going over there to your dad's house without
0: your mom? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. Honestly, I think it would be a lose-lose situation. Um, I It sucked to be around him, but if we were alone without my mom, it probably would have been bad too. So I think she might have had that in the back of her head to keep him around um, just so that she at least knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah, she once said to me that It's better to keep him near. And I thought about the saying, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. You know, because she always claimed she wanted to know what he was up to and what his mind was like. And even in the book, I wrote about people say, why don't you block him? And I said, because you want to know where he's at and what he's like, where he's at physically, but also where he's at mentally. Because otherwise, he'll just show up. He'll just show up and he's relentless. And I know my story, you know, shared with you quite a bit, Katie, but I mean, I had to run away to Rhode Island, you know, to some podunk state and, oh, sorry, Rhode Island people, (laughs) some tiny state and... It's a great state we love it we love it it's so (laughs) cute it is it was really lovely at the time but it was just so off the radar like who goes to Rhode Island you know Um, but that's where I went and I stayed for five years and I had to um, not I didn't tell my mom my address and um, she had my phone number and therefore he did but that was it. And that was the only way to get away. And at that time, Rhode Island was like moving to Russia today. So I feel like your mom would have oh, had yeah. to do that. But at the same time, I think I would like to perhaps address in a in a different episode with some of the youth and family counseling therapists that there are people that run away from terrifying situations, sometimes even worse than, you know, your, your dads and your families. For sure. And you know, how do they do that? What is that process? Let's invite an expert onto the show to talk about that. Like, what does that mean when you go to a safe house and you change your identity? And what do you do with young kids? And how does that all work? And how do you keep from, you know, being exposed somehow and then getting killed, especially in this day and age with, you know, the internet and social media and all that I just feel like it's really hard to hide. Uh, also, what really bothers me about this whole, you know, topic is that people like my brother still have rights, even though he was in jail for um, yeah, disturbing the peace record. and yeah. domestic violence and DUI, DUI, DUIs DUI. and, you know, losing jobs because of, you know, showing up drunk and all these things, you know, and then ev- eventually illegal drugs. and he. It just went on and on, and yet he still had rights, and I don't understand that. And perhaps you listeners that are in a position to explain that a little bit more to us would certainly be welcome, or anybody that's in a position that is trying to change some of these laws that give these people rights, I still don't understand it.
0: Yeah, and like, what's the line of it? Because obviously every human has in theory, their own rights. Um, but if they are damaging property and people and, you know, just not changing their own ways, like, at what point can we say, like, okay, we have to take this away from you? Is it just people that are in prison? Or is it people that are, you know, out in and reg- func- quote-unquote functioning in the regular world and um, are maybe need to go to like a mental hospital right and that's that's this is this is where I
1: I like to see this podcast go because dealing with your dad my brother was very very difficult like that's talk about minimizing I mean that was it was so impossible but I feel like we needed to keep trying we needed to keep trying anything different to get him to stop his reign of terror Mm -hmm. and ultimately I'm disappointed that it got as far as it did with him having children um and so staying together for the kids is kind of like mm, in this case it's so complicated um
0: yeah like I can see both sides of it it's kind of like what we said for the last one. We're still indecisive. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> it depends. I mean, there's cases, I don't want to discredit um kids of divorce because I know that they went through a hard time as well. And I know that th- those parents it, it probably was what was right for them and it, it probably sucked for the kids, you know, it probably was really painful and hard and confusing and you know all that but i'm saying as a person that grew up in a family that wasn't divorced and having the emotional trauma that i did it i don't know if it was what was best for me yeah and i
1: i think again going back to the title of our podcast no more secrets i think we all need to be real so a family that you know the father isn't happy maybe He's had an affair or whatever, but they're pretending to stay together for the kids. That's not real. That's not authentic. I think we all just need to be real. Whatever it is, we face it, and we and we deal with it accordingly. And if it doesn't turn out any better, at least we tried. I think I wrote that in the book as well. Like let's just try something different because speaking the truth, in and of itself, is um, important. Freeing, even. And very freeing. Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. So I guess I wish people would have tried a little bit more in our family, and I would like to hear from you listeners about your situations or people that you know or hear from therapists that have um, stories to to share. But I'm trying to really advocate authenticity and life is hard life is awful (laughs) sometimes and it's really exhausting and um you know pretending doesn't make it better it really doesn't because then the people that you're pretending to get really confused um so that's that's my view but i'm I'm certainly open to hearing um anybody else's
0: mine too and i think um opening up about what was hard and just admitting that it was kind of makes it easier to, to actually move on and live a happier life in general and that's what we're doing now so thanks to
1: this podcast and thanks to you listeners <laughs> that's what we're doing and I think that we can promise our audience that we will have an expert on soon talking about what it really takes to get away Definitely, let's yeah. talk about the reality of that cool So find us on Katie Millennial. She always (laughs) passes
0: it over to me for this part. This
1: part. Yeah, I don't get it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So our social media handles, uh, it's the Albrecht Authors on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can see it on our our thumbnail as well. All right. Please leave us a, a comment and subscribe to our show if you'd like to hear more.